changed our lives entirely in that 22 years. And so, Derry, what's one this morning as we get started into one way that technology's impacted your life? Uh, I would say, uh, like, in a, a really positive way, you know, we mentioned how in only by God's grace, I've been able to have kind of a, a national uh, conversation on youth ministry, and technology is the key in that. Uh, as I think through just in the last two weeks, a FaceTime conversation with a youth pastor that was on the verge of quitting, a Zoom call with a bunch of student pastors that lead student staff, and, and having conversations about that, a Facebook message that came through on somebody saying, hey, I've followed you from a distance and want to just talk with you. I'd love to pick your brain sometime. All three of those are examples where inside of technology, they wouldn't have happened. Right. And, and so like, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And it connects you with somebody really special here in Wakarusa, Indiana. Yeah, I can always FaceTime my mom when I'm not. Yes, yes, yes. To which she says, mom. not enough. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, this morning, as we get into this, um, I just want to open in prayer, let God would speak through dairy and um, just in all that's going on this morning in our lives, that we would just take, like, we just... Uh, take this moment and take it in. There's a lot that's going to be said, but let the Lord speak to us. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for each one of um, these individuals sitting here. Thank you for Dairy. Thank you for all the things that um, fell into place for Dairy to be here. We just uh, thank you for that. And so this morning, Lord, we ask that we would hear from you. We would ask to see that we can um, bring Jesus into this conversation with technology. And we thank you for how you're going to um, help us go out this week Go into our homes, go into our lives, our everyday life, Lord Jesus, and change us to be more like you. And we ask that um, everything be glorifying to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Derry, um, we got a question line. We're ready to take questions today. So, if you cannot um, get through, get onto Wi-Fi and text the question. We'll have a, a question and answer here. And then we're actually going to go up to the podcast room today and do a podcast with Derry before he takes off for Kentucky. And so, we want some questions um, to drive that. And then, Derry, tell me about these people here. Yeah, that's my family. Um, my wife and I met at Bethel College when I was a junior. She was a sophomore, began dating. We've been married for 21 years now. Those are our four kids in that picture. Uh, Katie Lynn is an eighth grader. Moses is a sixth grader. Uh, Kiki Kirley is a third grader. And Malachi just started kindergarten. And in case you're wondering, yeah, the boys do have my eyes. Um, <laughs> So uh, that is our family that God brought together, four kids, all four have different biological parents, as God can only do. It's a story of uh, the redemptive work of adoption in so many ways, and it is a beautiful, amazing, intricate mess that we walk through every day together. And we live in the weeds of how, as a family, do you engage in this technology? We are living in it just as much as many of you are. Yes. So we're looking forward to a great time here with Derry. So like I said, text and we will um, uh, do that um, question and answer time at the end. Okay, uh-oh. Are we having technology issues on the first time through here? Oh, that's great. That, do you know that's what happens, Derry? Yep. Let's All the time. Let's talk about technology and have the technology not work, right? There we go. Are we good? I think we're good. Okay, All there right. you go. All right, great. Hey, it is really uh, crazy and surreal to be here. Um, as I look out, I take and think about all the family that I have here. That cuts the crowd down by half once you take out all the Whistlers. Those of you that I went to high school with, and I just think, dude, I knew him. And can't believe he's standing up there talking about this. Uh, those of you that knew me when I, I ran around here and or connections through just time, a long time spent at Napoli Missionary Church as a student pastor there. Um, 
but ultimately, uh, it's just it's it's an honor and exciting to be here. It's uh, it's a little humbling. I am not. I, I want to be clear. I am not like a technological guru. If you if you want to text a question like how to set up your Wi-Fi router, I'm not going to be able to answer that. Um, I I by no means um, am here to today dive into like the political ramifications of what Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff is either. Um, where I'm at is just simply asking the questions are what are the implications of this stuff as it plays out in our world. And, and what I want to do to start is kind of just dive into a little question um, or thought exercise. Um, events that have a before and after effect. What I mean by that are events in our life or in society where we say this thing happened and I can kind of measure time and how, how I lived before this thing happened and then my life after it. Because this was such a significant event, it drastically changed the reality that I was living in. There are personal life experiences like that, right? Whether it's before or after I got married. Um, life was very different in those moments. Before or after the first kid entered our house. Before or after a tragic loss. Before or after a medical condition that was diagnosed. And, and having to measure the time differently. I can, in all of those, identify places. And then there's those, like, those, those, those historical moments where we say societally, this thing happened on this date or in this moment, and because it happened, it changed the way we live. I'm just curious. This is like a large group feedback moment. When I say that, give me, give me some examples that rose to the top right away when I say historical events where we kind of measure time before and after it. What comes to mind? 9-11 is the one that everybody jumps to. It's one of those unique ones where we actually labeled it by the date, right? September 11th, uh, 2001, when uh, it, it changed. We don't travel the same anymore, right? Like airline flights, not at all the same. The, the words of terrorism, the, uh, the understanding of how we perceive Islam and different things. There's just so much to measure. Any others that come to mind? The day I, did, the day I met Derry Prinkert, so many of you in there. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, life got a lot worse after that moment. Shooting of JFK, that's a huge historical moment that, that came into mind, yeah. Another one that, that, that and, and you go back, another one would be D-Day, uh, for those of you that uh, would say, like, I, I don't remember that, I wasn't around, but, but that's one where uh, many talk about, a day will live in infamy, as the president said. Another huge one just happened, like, in March of 2020, right? Remember when, remember when NBA, uh, all of a sudden, like, they had this game getting ready to go, and then they all cleared the courts, and then the NCAA tournament shut down, and like in a matter of 48 hours, we went to life before COVID and life after COVID. And we still don't know all the implications of what life was like uh, before that, but it's going to continue to affect us. So, so there's events with before and after effect. Now, hold on to that because I'm going to come back to it in just a second. Um, uh, we're talking about technology, and just as a little fun exercise, I pulled up the old Google um, and uh, said, technology in the blanks, and I put like a decade. And so I, I went 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, and I did a Google image search, and I just thought this would be fun for some of us. Uh, as I put in technology in the 80s, these are some of the images that came up, if you want to walk back in memories with me to those days. Uh, who remembers uh, the day of that amazing camera that could instantly give you a photo at a Polaroid if you just went like this after you had it taken, you know? Or, um, or I love, the, you know, the VHS player, the, that giant computer with the floppy disk or the Nintendo Entertainment System, all three of those, when there was a technological is issue, all it took was just a little bit of air from your mouth, like blowing on the disk or on the game or on the VHS to fix it, right? You pick out the game and whoosh, put it back in and it could work. Um, 
And then that phone, that, that phone thing. I remember in high school uh, dialing the number uh, and then having the cord go long enough that I could stretch it into my bedroom, shut the door, and like lean against the door so I could have privacy to talk. And uh, I remember also in high school, I was dating a girl from Bremen. I broke up with her because the long distance bills were too long, too, too much, right? Um, and that was like, that was actually into the 90s, which, uh, but the 90s, then when I put in the 90s, these are different things that came up. Remember the old Palm Pilot, that crazy cool thing? Um, uh, uh, the, the first laptops that like now you couldn't actually take on an airplane because they'd go over the weight limit. Um, AOL, that weird noise as you got online for the first time. The first cell phones that would last all of 20 minutes on their battery life. Um, and then the old CD, the Discman. Who remembers trying to exercise with that Discman, you know? Where you're like trying to run, but you can't run too hard because the disc will skip or you'll get that, that cord all messed up. So there was the 90s. And then, and then in the early 2000s, uh, these things come along. Your, your GPS, having that separate GPS in your, your home. The first iPad with that cool wheel that you could spin around Getting a cell phone that you could turn sideways and actually have a QWERTY keyboard to, to type out messages. Um, MySpace, this crazy, amazing thing that was going to change all of life and we'd live, we could never live without. And then digital cameras and flat screen TVs. Uh, those are the things that came to mind. Now, let me bring you back to that, that date uh, question. Uh, I think one of the most significant dates that we could walk through over uh, the last 20 years happened on January 9th. 2007. Everybody remembers that date. It's etched in your mind forever, right? Um, it is a, I would argue, it, you can put it at the same ranks of, uh, of 9-11 and uh, COVID and how we can measure time before and after. On this date, this dude, like he did many times, in a long sleeve black shirt and a pair of jeans, stood in front of a bunch of shareholders and said, I'm going to introduce you to something that's going to revolutionize the world. In fact, it's three things I'm going to introduce you to. It's going to be the first ever iPod touch screen. It's going to be the first uh, Apple cell phone. It's going to be the first computer operating system that's revolutionary. And oh, by the way, it's not just three separate things. It's one thing. It's the date that, that Steve Jobs stood in front of the Apple shareholders and said, uh, this thing we're going to have. And it's the first date the word iPhone was used uh, on that date, January 9th. 2007. It's crazy that was 14 years ago. In some ways, you say, man, that's a long time. But then other ways you think about what happened in the time that that happened. Uh, it is a moment that I am convinced technologically transformed us as a culture. One of the big reasons why, all that stuff I walked through over the last three decades, when you think about it, all those things now sit in that one device. And even if you're not an iPhone user or you're an Android user, um, and we want to get into base about that and everything else and, and you know, divide it like political lines almost. It doesn't matter. The, the, what happened in that moment is the smartphone became a revolutionary item in how we approach the world. I mean, if you just think about it, we went from all these different devices to one device that we can carry around all the time. Um, and uh, a very wise uh, uh, technological a minded person that once I sat and talked about, it, he said, we would all do ourselves a service to remember that we can now carry supercomputers around in our pockets. And for those in the crowd, I'm just curious, who is the 30 and under? If you're under 30 in this room, raise your hand if you're under 30. Okay, 30 and over in this room. That, that is not a perfect moment, but, but I would say for the 30 and under crowd, it's almost just life to you is, is where this entered. It's just a reality of, of the smartphone. And for those of us that aren't, 
uh, that are over 30, we remember life before it, we remember life after it. But culturally, we're going to live with that. And, and uh, it's, it's frightening at times when we think about it. Because uh, there was that, but also this other thing called social media was rising up right before 2007. Facebook, MySpace, uh, Twitter were becoming incredibly popular. And the way those melded together were uh, pretty crazy in what the smartphone plus uh, social media did because uh, of all that's there. And, and there's these crazy headlines that come along when, when even the people that make this stuff say, like, this stuff has transformed us in not so great ways. Two headlines. One that is from 2017 and one that's just from two weeks ago. Um, two, 2017, that top one. Facebook's first president on Facebook. God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. Um, and this was Sean Parker. He was one of the guys that helped found Facebook. This, this, this headline went all over, and he talked about, we intentionally built this thing with the idea of how can we keep people from putting it down, from not wanting to walk away from it, so that there's just little charges of dopamine going off in their brain that they want to come back to it. And, and then just two weeks ago, if you're paying attention, there was actually a hearing on, uh, on the Capitol of this Facebook whistleblower, uh, a lady who was a part of the research and development, and she began to leak out documents to say, we, with Facebook and Instagram, we began to pay attention to how this stuff was negatively uh, impacting people. And in, I believe we looked at those negative impacts, positive impacts, and we didn't care. All we cared about was continuing to drive up the amount of followers. And we recognized that actually uh, feeding people negative news, news that would upset them, feeding them images that, that would make them feel insecure would drive them back for more. And so we continued to set the algorithms up so that they would see things that would raise up frustration, uh, that, that girls would see images on Instagram that would cause them to, uh, to like, see their body, body image in a terrible way, but it would drive them back up. These are two articles that are present that are there that, that are a part of this all. And so this thing, like, immediately there's a side of us that wants to zero in and talk about the effects of this stuff in a negative way. But, but I want to be clear when I talk about technology as a whole. If I could give you one image, if you could walk away uh, today with just one image on what, what does it look like for us in our homes, in our lives as we follow Christ to engage technology, I would just give you the image of a knife. I believe this, uh, this uh, the TV, whatever it might be, ultimately is similar to a knife. A knife is a completely neutral item. A knife can do some incredibly great things, right? Like, like it can spread butter. I think that's a pretty good thing. I like butter on my rolls. It can, it can help cut things. It can help uh, whittle, make incredible, beautiful things out of it. Knives can also cause damage in hands. They can, they can cut people deeply. They can kill people. The, the knife itself is not the issue. It's the user, the ability of the user to engage in it properly. That's the issue. To take the illustration a little bit farther, there's different types of knives, right? Um, from butter knife to steak knife to hunting knife to pocket knife. And there are certain knives uh, that perform specific purposes, and we, we use them in the wrong way. Uh, they can get really unhealthy, as well as if a person isn't properly equipped to use that knife, uh, they're going to run into a lot of problems. I will not put a hunting knife in my five-year-old son's hands because I recognize that's not wise. I am not one to handle a hunting knife very well because I am not a hunter and I would probably do some really dumb things and probably end up with it stuck in my leg because I don't know how to properly use it right. And, and so even it doesn't, there's age that comes into play. There's also an awareness of how to use it and what's going on. 
technology is very similar, very similar. It's not a perfect illustration. There's, there are some issues because there are people on the other end of technology trying to get you to do certain things um, and to go after certain stuff, but there's an awareness when I go into it that if I have that awareness, I can engage in it properly. But then there is the reality, too, that there are just certain knives that serve no good purpose whatsoever, right? Like, the reality is I can't come up with one good reason for that knife to exist in this world other than to cause damage. And there is, in the world of technology that we live in, uh, avenues and places, platforms, apps, uh, that are incredibly just damaging to their core. Uh, I read just how uh, there is a big move toward pornography sites to begin to develop apps that you can download so you can just have instant access through an app to porn. I see no positive, uh, uh, positive way that knife is impacting the world. Um, there are apps that are out there. One that was very popular, it's not as popular anymore, was a calculator app, uh, but it wasn't a calculator app. It was actually you type in a code on that calculator that would give you access to a hidden stash of pictures that you've saved on your phone so that others don't know that you have those pictures. Um, and you could use that in so many ways. In a local high school, uh, it was found an entire ring of uh, nude photos that were being saved and sent to each other and then being saved um, it, through that calculator app. Like, there, there's no good, I can't come up with a good reason to have, you know, I'm not going to save my family photos on a secret code calculator app. Um, these are some of the things that are present. Now, um, at the same time, there's incredibly great things. I mentioned a national platform that's formed an opportunity to invest in others for my world um, that, that, that social media has uh, brought in. Um, the ability for me to stay connected with students after they graduate out of ministry and head off into college and other places. Amazing what technology can do with that. My good friend who does disciple-making movements into lost and dangerous and despised places is able to take the Bible in a solar-powered uh, device in the dialect of, of uh, different people groups who don't have, they, don't, they aren't literate, they aren't able to read. It's an audio Bible, and he can take these solar-powered devices into them so they can have the Word of God, and then through the WhatsApp, he is able to communicate back in the States with the national pastors who are working uh, to continue these movements going on. All technology-based stuff that is allowing the kingdom to move forward. Technology is a knife, really, in a lot of ways, and it's just a question of what we do with it. But a part of that is then the awareness that we need to have with that. So here's what I want to do. Um, and you have some fill-in-the-blanks in this. Like I said, I'm going to do a pretty heavy flyover here, but I want to just help us stop and think wisely about how we consume technology. And um, in doing that, I want to just walk through what I call the current digital reality. Because of 2007, January 9th, and what this caused, and, and all the implications that have followed from streaming services to smart TVs to uh, everything else. What, what's kind of, what do we need to stop and recognize in the current digital reality that is important and how it's affecting our life? And what I would say is this. One is constant connection. We are in constant connection in a way that our world hasn't been. The last 15 years have changed that. Um, constant connection. And uh, you might say, like, constant, really? Um, just a question. You don't need to answer out loud. When is the last time you powered down your cell phone? When is the last time you actually turned it off completely and the battery didn't die? You know, like, like you intentionally turned it off. These things have been built in a way now that the idea is for you not to want. It's actually hard to turn off, um, and it's able to charge as you go. 
And there's a constant connection that's present in that. Um, and the constant connection allows uh, so many weird implications. One of the more fascinating th- things to me as a student pastor is, is right around uh, 2010, 2011, I started to see a downtick in the amount of kids that were really excited when they turned 16 to get their driver's license. Do you remember, those of you that are a little older, like that day, like how big a deal getting your driver's license was? Like, I remember leaving school, or, or others, my sophomore year, leaving school, and you could tell by the way they walked back in if they passed their driver's test or not. Um, but it's amazing the amount of kids that are waiting to not get their driver's license. There's a lot of reasons why, but one is, why do they need it? They can stay connected to their friends in so many ways through this that it's not as big of a deal. That, that driver's license, that my ability to get into a car and drive somewhere, uh, was my connection to the outside world from my family and the freedom that came. Uh, so that, that, that's just like one simple example. Another thing that's happening uh, through this current digital reality is um, we, are in ex- we have excessive access. I mean, we are one click away, one Hey Siri, one Alexa, uh, what is away from having the answer on anything. Um, not, not necessarily the right answer, <laughs> but, but the answer. Um, and, and we have immediate access to it. The ability to go live on Facebook, live on Instagram, like immediate stuff is right there at our, um, our, our and it's, it's not just there, it's, it's all there, all the time. Like we are bombarded with messages in a way that we haven't been in the past. And, and in some ways that's amazing, the ability that we can, um, we can get access to whatever it is, information, people, in other ways, it's incredibly challenging and maybe even damaging. Uh, the third one that I think is one of the more significant ones that I think is deeply Christian at its core that we don't think about is the current digital reality has put us in a place of impersonal communication. Um, text and email is void of nonverbals. And... So uh, there's so many things tied to the nonverbal world and how we communicate and what we communicate. And, and ultimately, it's often not just what we're saying, but how we're saying it that's so important, especially as followers of Christ. When Paul talks about, let your conversation be seasoned with salt, how, uh, and, and, and what, what can you, you know, to, to, to have a gentle answer. That is so tied to nonverbals, almost more so than it's tied to uh, just the, the words that are coming out through text. Um, there's, it's not just that. It's caused this communication and community to be marked by different things. We were uh, up in, on vacation in Ludington, and my son just randomly said, Derry, how many, or Dad, he didn't say Derry. He has at times, when I'm not paying attention when I'm looking at my phone too much, he'll say, Derry. But um, he said, Dad, how many Facebook friends do you have? And I gave him that ungodly amount of friends that I have, and he said, whoa, you got a lot of friends, Dad. And I thought to myself, no, I don't. Actually, and the funny thing is, Janelle, my wife, has way less Facebook friends than I, than I do, and she has way more friends. She's much cooler than me. Um, and and I, I said, no, buddy, actually, I, th- there's a lot of those people. I spoke somewhere. They asked to be my Facebook friend. I didn't, I didn't deny them. They aren't my friends. But yet, the language you use, like friends, followers, likes, um, shares, all that stuff creates this idea of faux community. Um, that, that is there. And it's not bad community. It's just not, com- I should, the wrong word, incomplete community is probably the better word that's tied to it. Think about this. Uh, we went through a time of a lot of video chatting. Um, do you know it's absolutely impossible to have eye-to-eye communication through a video chat? It's, it's absolutely impossible. You are either looking at the camera, 
so that person can see your eyes or you're looking at the person and then you're not looking into the camera. And there's something incredibly important about even eye-to-eye communication that happens in person that is incredibly valuable for us. And so there's a digital reality that's tied to this that, that causes for some incredible communication that we might not be able to have otherwise. Uh, we joked about it. Uh, my kids can have a FaceTime with Grandma from far away, which is amazing, and they get to see her, but it's still, there's, there's still a side of when we're doing that, when we can actually put the device down and go interact person to person, um, we need to really stop and think about why are we doing this through our technology versus in person when we can. I'm incredibly concerned for the church um, on the implications of what we had to do over two years when we live-streamed our services and the comfort that we found in thinking, oh, I can just get my worship service through a streaming opportunity. I love that there's those that are stuck at home or maybe not around that they can still engage with their church community. But, but the, the, I have a high level of concern over what online church really means because there's something about the personal being together that comes up. All right, last one uh, of the current digital reality that I would say is we are in a world with immediate reaction. We're in a world where immediate reaction is possible. Uh, there, is, there is something inside of what, uh, I mean, just even, even go back to 1995 till right around 2002 when you would get online. Do you remember, like, the hoops you had to jump through to do that, get that cord, um, have it all dial up? Uh, those of you that are younger, you don't know this, but there's this crazy noise. It would go, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> Whoever decided that was the noise to get us online uh, deserves to go to prison, I think. But, um, but, but there, is, uh, there was even, like, when the Internet came versus now, where immediate connection, you know, 5G is the greatest thing in the world because it's, like, going to hit us right in the moment. And it is awesome. It also is incredibly tricky uh, that we need to be aware of. And, and I love that I can, I can have the moments to see what's going on in real time and be aware but then I think there's Christian uh, disciplines like solitude, like contemplation, like meditation. That in a world full of immediate reaction where you get to instantly respond, share, like, comment, uh, maybe get lost. And Christian virtues like silence, like patience uh, that are no longer available to us. I um, sometimes think as I scroll through Facebook, uh, I just cringe at the reality of what this has caused. And I think everybody would be really wise just uh, maybe like we were to stop and say, you know what, the, the greatest verse in Scripture that could apply to how we uh, engage in social media, it would simply be James 1.19. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. That's the one thing you should be quick to do, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We're in a world where we can, without any time to check facts or anything else, just immediately respond or share this incredibly groundbreaking article that we found that actually has no truth tied to it at all. Or, or we can give out our opinion. I would just throw out a little tip. This is my opinion, not the Lord's. But if I, would, if I start anything in any social media post, like, I normally don't say stuff like this. You probably, shouldn't just, you probably should just not say it. <laughs> just, a, just a little tip on that. Um, um, but we live in a world where these things are going on. Now, I, I'm afraid as I talk that I'm coming out as anti all the stuff. All I'm saying is I think it's so much ingrained in our culture and our lifestyle that we're not stopping and looking at these realities have significant impact on our discipleship journey with Jesus. 
And if we don't stop and think through how we engage them, um, we, will be, uh, we will be following what these things are pushing us toward versus stopping and saying, what does it look like for us to follow Jesus and let, let, let our following Jesus be implemented into this? Is there any evil going on in the world right now? Um, and yet uh, he says this. He says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, so that you don't get any of the world on you. No, he says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, to make the most of every opportunity. We are called to still be out in this world and make, make it known that Jesus Christ is the answer to everything that we're searching for. And he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. At the core is this idea of understanding, and this is the balance. If this technology is at its core somewhat neutral, and the way I engage it is the key, then I need to think through what it looks like to, to live in a way that's not unwise but wise. Uh, to, to look at it as where I'm not being conformed to it, but being transformed. What I'm going to do is get a little practical, and then we'll dive into some questions and, and talk a little bit more. Um, this is uh, just thinking through technology and how do I engage it. This is high-flying stuff. We'll dive into some specifics through the podcast if you guys have questions as well. But when it comes to technology, I'm going to, these are, what this is, at one point, I sat down with my youth staff and said, how do we want to teach students to engage in these things? What, what do we want to do? And as we, we came up with these, um, these different, different things to, to hit, um, we, we realized these are just some uh, key practices we want to have. One that I didn't, uh, that I don't have that uh, I want to give you, I'll give at the end. So I think I've got one more blank that I'm going to give you than I actually put in the notes. Um, the first was um, to put it down. That there's going to be moments we want to just put, put it down. And what I mean by that is, um, there, is a, there is a screen addiction that is present in this world right now that is uh, pretty real. And, and the idea is meaning like those moments where I'm going to put down the technology, and it could be a phone, but it also could be a TV, whatever it might be, I'm going to lay that aside to pay attention to what else is in front of me. And uh, families, this would be uh, just a valuable practice of saying, when are the times we are going to just put it down? Um, we're going to go ahead and just uh, say, you know what, you can have your phone on you, but you're not going to look at it. So it's in your pocket, it's other things. The value in this is not to just have those moments where I either don't have it at all, or I do have it, but understanding the moments that I'm not going to constantly want to be looking at it. Um, it helps us battle against uh, screen addiction. And, and so just those moments to say, this, it's there, but I'm not going to engage in it. Um, the second would be uh, turn it off. Moments where we just straight up turn it off. And I, turn it off might not be the way to say it, um, but, uh, but what I mean in that would be finding the moments where we take a complete break. We were up in Michigan for the last week. It's really bad cell reception, which is awesome. Um, during that week, I turned off every email notification. I would turn on one email account every night just to double check what was going on. Kind of wish I hadn't even done that. Um, I don't think anything in the world uh, stopped because I wasn't on email. I deleted the Facebook app and Instagram from my phone. Um, the, I kept my phone on me to take some pictures. We all agreed to that. And uh, we, for five days, had some of the coolest times they weren't all great. I mean, we, we got in some pretty good fights during that time as a family. Um, definitely didn't, like, parent perfectly in how I responded to my kids in moments. But we also played more board games than we'd ever played. We laughed and had conversations about things in ways that we hadn't because we took an extended time to turn it off. Where is a family are saying, this is going to be a completely technology-free zone? And it can be extended times like that. 
It could be moments, like whenever we're at the dinner table, we're all putting these away, silencing them, turning them off completely. Um, Parents, just one parenting thought would be, um, what does it look like to say from this time to this time, your cell phone stays with me? Um, Overnight uh, isn't always a bad thing to think through. But those moments where we turn it off. The third I'd say is using it redemptively. Finding the moments to say, how can I be a person who... Uh, and redemption. Redemption is putting value on, giving the value to something that has no value at all, but then finding value in it. And, and, and that is like when you go and turn something in, you redeem it, and it suddenly has value. There are ways to uh, make technology something that can be incredibly redemptive. A couple practical thoughts to think through. Um, it can be about what you do and what you don't do. I have cut down over the last three years my social media activity significantly. I'm just not. I mean, you'll see pictures of my kids every once in a while and maybe an update or a share of something that's going on, uh, but I've just chosen not to engage in the ridiculous debate that's going on um, over Facebook. It's crazy. I, it's so funny. I've no, I, I still can't come up with a post that I read where I disagreed with something and I read somebody's uh, rant on why I should be feeling different, and it's never changed my mind. It's just weird. <laughs> but... Um, but there's, so it's, also, it's about not doing things, but it's also about having moments and times to use it redemptively. As a family, just, a, just an idea. Um, one would be to take a, it's, if it's maybe a group message or maybe something like a group me, and simply saying, this is going to be our scripture and prayer space. And uh, the reason I'd say like a group, if you don't know what group me is, you can set up a group me and say, look, we have our, we have our family chat that we do through the text just to keep everybody going, aware of what's going on. But over on this space, all we're going to do here is we're going to share prayers for each other and scriptures that are meaningful to us. And we're going to find ways to nurture a discipleship journey as a family. Something I do at times uh, that, that I love. i got a ton of contacts in my phone. As my son found out, i got a lot of Facebook friends. Sometimes I'll just open up the names to that as I'm spending time with the Lord, and I'll scroll through and say, Lord, who can I be praying for today? And as that name pops up, um, I'll take time to pray for him. There's an incredible feature on my iPhone through text where I can record my voice. And uh, actually, I did this because somebody did it with me. I got this voice memo one day from my friend Johnny Mack, and all it was was a prayer for me, nothing else. It just, I hit play and it said, Lord, I just lift up Derry to you today. I know he's walking through a lot of change, and I know that you're the Lord over his change. And it was just this powerful prayer over me. And I'm grateful for my friend Johnny who used the cell phone in a redemptive way for me, and it's one that I do. What are the ways that you can use it redemptively? And the fourth I'd throw in that I think is really important is to talk about it, to talk about technology, to as a family sit down together and have conversations. How are we engaging this? Why are we engaging it in the way we are? Um, just even some, some simple like uh, questions to, to think about um, that, that could just like prompt, that could be great conversations to have as a family. When is it better to talk in person rather than on text? Simple question that could provide some uh, great conversation as a family. What information would you say we should never share on social media? Have you and your family talked about that at all? Have you stopped and thought about it at all? Uh, like, like, what does that look like? What kind of messages are we sending when we curate our content? And then you can explain what curate means. Like, when we pick apart, we, we spend all this time, like, we, we tend to post out just the perfect picture of us all the time. What, what kind of message is that sending? Are we letting people know what really is going on with us? 
Um, another question would be, what does the Bible say about how, what our speech should look like and how does it apply to what we watch, listen to, or post? Conversations, talking about it, have, having ways to engage in it. Um, we have a tool we're going to talk about in a little bit. I have a tool that you can use to help you uh, have some conversations about what you do and engaging in this all. Um, I know that when I talk about this, there's a lot of different ranges of stuff. I know there's a lot of parents that are saying, like, help me figure out how to parent my kids through this. Can I just encourage you with one thought? Um, I didn't mention this earlier. I showed you two articles that just the headlines make me laugh, that the president of Facebook was worried about what it was doing to the kids, and Instagram was sending messages uh, to the kids. And I think that's the stupidest headline I've ever heard. It's, it's, it's a societal thing. It's not just the kids. In fact, I think for the 30 and older crowd, this thing is affecting us in ways that are almost more damaging because it's like this foreign um, uh, virus that has come in that, that we didn't have for so long, and now it's affecting us in a way that's very different than those that are just growing up with it being a part of their lives. And they maybe know how to engage in it in a healthier way than a lot of us. And so um, I do, though, get a lot of questions. So um, there's some resources. If you don't know what that is, that's called a QR code. It's on your paper. You have a paper, but the beauty of scanning that little code is you can pull it up on your phone, and on the back sheet, there's a list of resources. The digital version of that, here's a cool part of technology. The digital version, everywhere there's a little blue line on that paper. When you pull up the digital version, all you have to do is click on that blue line, and it will take you to the podcast or the book or the website that can help you uh, understand technology and different things that are out there better. And so that's what that little paper, uh, if you scan that on, on your camera, it'll take you to a document and you can look at that. So there is some of the stuff on this whole idea of technology at the home. Angie, I think we're going to talk a little bit. Yes, we are. Thank you all for your questions. Dairy, you can either have can it. Yeah, down? let's sit. You can sit down. You can raise these up and set. Yeah, I know. So Dairy, you called it you called it. He said this before um, we got started today, yeah. that there would be three questions. I got two of the three. You got two of the three? Yeah. I, I know. It, so it always happens. Let's um, break this down. Let's talk about guidelines. You know, okay. let's talk about what's one of the big parent questions when to buy your kid yes. a phone. Yeah. Yeah. Constant question I'll get, especially as a student pastor. At what age should we let our kid have blank? You fill in the blank. Smartphone. Xbox Live, uh, whatever it might be, technologically. Um, I frustrate people with this answer a lot because I say, I don't know. I can't answer that. I, I, I can't give you an age. I mean, I mean, 13 years, two days, three, uh, no, I, I don't know. Um, I don't think it's an age issue as much as it's a readiness issue. Scripture I'd point you to are two. Um, one would be the one that we all, like every youth pastor loves to quote in 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example in speech, in life, in purity. Um, if you look into that scripture and just stop and assess and say, hey, is our son or daughter at a point where they're setting a good example in these areas and showing that they can be responsible in these areas, then maybe we consider it. But also another great would come out, another great uh, verse I'd point to comes out of 2 Timothy when uh, Paul, talking to a young Timothy, says, flee the evil desires of youth. Uh, and, and being aware that the, this brings immediate access in a way that maybe a not fully developed frontal lobe of brain that knows how to in, control impulses at a level needs to be careful with. And so, um, so I don't think it's as much of an age thing as it is assessing where your kids are at. I have an eighth grader, I have a sixth grader, I have a third grader, and I have a kindergartner. 
There are things that my eighth grader is ready to engage in in technology um, that the others aren't. There's things, though, that I would say my eighth grader is not ready to engage in, and my sixth grader actually is more ready. The, the parameters we have on some of the things that we allow them to use inside of our home on the TV, like the apps that they can go to, what they can watch, it's differing, and it's not tied to age because they've shown us responsibility in those things. We've walked through that. We've said, here's what you need to do. Um, I do, my, my eighth grade daughter does have a smartphone, and it is locked down like Fort Knox, like you can't believe uh, the things that she can use it for and not. We probably wouldn't have got it if we were still living in the area, but because we moved to a community where there was very few people that she knew, she was riding on a bus system where there were times where we couldn't get a hold of her. Um, and so what we did was made it so she could text us and call us on that thing, um, but there's very little else. That resource sheet shows how you can do that. Um, so, so again, I, I, I know that's not a specific answer. It's a big answer, uh, uh, kind of looking over it to say it's got to be an assessment thing. Right, but it leads into the next question, which we um, talk about guidelines, limitations, mm -hmm. apps that are out there. As parents, you know, there's a certain thing as restrictive mode. Yeah. You know, let's talk a little bit about that. You, we use different things. Yeah. Darius and I, we're not going to get into the political side of iPhone right. versus Android, but there's both options yeah. out there. Right. And you, like you said, there's one that's right and one that's wrong, but no, um, no I'm kidding. Just so totally. you know, not at all. Chris, Chris is <laughs> just on your side. I'm just yeah. going to tell not you. At that this not, not at all. Not the case at all. Actually, at the bottom of that resource list, I gave a link to um, where you can go on any smartphone and set up parental controls. More times than not, when I get this question, it's what kind of filter should we get? Because internet filters were all the rage when internet first hit. Um, they're not bad. Uh, there's two that are out there that I think are really good. One is called The Circle, um, and you go to meetcircle.com, and what that does is you can set that up on your home network. You can set all the devices, set time limits, set content limits, what apps can they get to, what can they not. Um, and then there's one called Bark that's more of an app-based thing. The cool thing that Bark does is if somebody starts to go toward questionable content, you'll get an alert, which is, is pretty neat, um, because I think accountability over control is always a win. Um, I'll say that again, accountability over control is probably what you should be pushing for. Um, uh, because I do all those filters, there's gonna be some time those filters go, get turned off and things go crazy. A uh, good friend of mine who was a residential director at a Christian college said, uh, it's the IT would always come in the first month of college and show in the freshman dorms the, the uptick in pornographic sites that were visited because they got out of their home and started going crazy with it. Um, so. The, and, and Bark and Meet Circle, here's the trick. Those things, uh, the minute you're off of Wi-Fi and on a data plan, they don't work. Uh, they don't work right. And so there's always a way around it. Um, but you can set all kinds of controls. It's, and it's not that complicated. Um, there, are, there are tutorials on the actual uh, the different uh, phone websites that show through it. You can do an easy Google uh, or YouTube search to say how to set up parental controls on the specific phone that you have, and you'll probably find somebody that walks you through exactly what to do. And I would say that's a great way to go. But I would also say, um, parents, one of the greatest things is a simple statement. Um, while you're in this house, uh, I bought you this. Therefore, I reserve the right at any point to check in on what you're doing. Um, that doesn't mean that you're constantly doing that, but every once in a while. And it's an accountability check. It's not a freak you out check. It's just, hey, we want you healthy. Um, and so, again, accountability over control. Um, Derry, I just want to like uh, go a little further into this. Like you said, readiness, but I also think the parent has to have awareness. Yeah. You yeah wouldn't great give, point. You wouldn't um, give uh, Moses a pair, a set of keys, and say, "Here's a set of keys to my new mm -hmm. Camaro." 
that I got for being a youth pastor, a cool yeah. youth pastor, yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you wouldn't give it to them, yeah. right? No. But how much awareness, and you, you called us out, the 30s and overs, mm-hmm. you called us out in your discussion, we weren't even ready. Yeah. So a lot of times, I think our awareness has been lacking. Yeah. And we even took these into our own lives, and we didn't put restrictions on ourselves. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just calling this to the parent yeah. side. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would add to that, um, there is the awareness for us in figuring out how to do it healthily. Also, I just think if you're handing over a device to your kid that you don't know how to use, they're going to figure out how to use it so much better than you, and they're going to learn everything else to work around it. And so there's also that side of when should I give my kid a blank? It's also like, well, how ready are you to figure out how it works and take responsibility for everything that comes with it? And parents, uh, that's hard and that stinks, but that's a part of parenting that you have to come yeah. into play. I think that um, the learning curve for parents mm-hmm. isn't just, um, you know, what do I do? How do I teach them how to walk and read and eat and get them healthy? Yeah. This is, this is in the parent conversation today. Absolutely. This, this they call it Jennifer, Generation Alpha, right? Yeah. They will grow up with parents who had the device by a millennial or somebody that's yeah. grown up that has had a device in their hands yeah. their entire life. So this, this discussion as a whole is not something to just be on the back burner. It's actually out on the front burner. It's yeah. something that's going to impact all of what we do mm-hmm. in all things. Yeah. And so it ties to this thing you said, transformational agents. That's what God calls us to mm-hmm. be. How in the world do we... I just would like you to... Go a little deeper on this whole idea of being the salt and the light, being a transformational agent into um, our world. How can we use this as a positive impact in our families, in our homes, but also in our workplaces, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's great. Um, I think, you know, I hit a lot of the stuff in it. I would say um, some other things I'd throw out in, um, in family is uh, questions are so much better than statements. Uh, when it comes to to stuff, and even uh, like thinking through how you engage in technology, that's a key in the conversations. I would also say questions are a lot better than statements in how we engage the digital world that we're in. For those of you that just are, you know, haven't bought into what I said about I just back way off on posting. Um, uh, the maybe thinking through being a person that can ask the open-ended questions in a way Jesus loved to ask questions when he was with crowds. Um, finding ways to ask questions, moving conversations um, that, that are in the very public forum over into more of a private forum at times when it needs to be more confrontive in nature, that is a huge one. Um, I cringe and I, I get mad at myself because I'll go and look at, um, you know, people that I know are just really poor posters on, on a, a social media and see debate break out. And I'm like, I know you love Jesus and I know you love Jesus. Why aren't you setting up a time to actually follow Matthew 18? When you have an issue with your brother or sister, go to them one-on-one. You realize I can read this? Now, I shouldn't be reading it, but I am and I get it. I have my own sin I need to work through in that. But, but, uh, but I would say a, a big part in this questions, conversations, um, is having the moments to know when to move the conversation privately or offline completely would be a huge thing to model. And, um, and another thing would be, this is, this is just a crazy thought, um, is if we could find a better way to repent online in moments, um, it would be amazing. If the world, I don't think the world needs more Christians saying how perfect they are. The world needs more Christians saying how imperfect they are. 
and how perfect their Savior is. And, and so uh, another redemptive thing uh, is not always trying to find the, the perfect post and the perfect things and not letting everybody into your dirty little secrets, but just being real and uh, having moments. Uh, we always joke that we're going to at least put one picture of our kid crying on social media at some point because it's that a whole lot more than the super smiley perfect picture that we've airbrushed and other things. Okay, so um, this is a question that came in. Uh, people say we are the product when using free apps. Is that true? Like, we are the product. They're trying to buy us. And this is a, on mm-hmm. the app discussion. We're going to kind of say, you know, what are things out there? What can we download? Are we really the product? And really, set us um, maybe a picture of some things that you already know where not to go and what not to do. Yeah. Um, I think we should all, like, remember. I, I think one thing we forget is whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, all these different things, is somehow we've bought into the idea these are like just rights that we have as Americans that are there for us. These are businesses that are seeking, that, that we are, we are their, not just custom, customers, we're their income stream. And so they're doing everything that they can to keep us tied into it so that they can make money. And, and good or evil, that's just the reality that's tied to it. And so we need to remember that, um, that, that there is a, a, a capitalistic approach to this that plays in, and there's ways they're seeking to guide and manipulate and uh, get us to stay involved in that that has very unhealthy ties to it and some things that are kind of neutral. Very few healthy aspects to that unless we find a way to do it redemptively. Um, when I, I gave you a couple of sites that are great as parents, but even I would say overall, one is called smartsocial.com. I love this website. A guy named Josh Oaks made it. Um, what he did was he worked off the idea of uh, if you're a, a high school student, if you're just getting ready to graduate college, more than ever, people are paying attention to your digital footprint is what it's called. I am actually in the process of trying to hire a middle school pastor at our church, and I have removed uh, three people from consideration after looking at their social media presence and saying, I just I can't have you represent Jesus in this church in what your what your um, what, you, what your, your world looks like online. You know, that's there. And colleges are, are, are looking at those sites on acceptance and scholarships and other things. So he's built this whole thing on helping students develop a healthy digital footprint. But he does this thing on the site. He calls it, it's just an app. Uh, it's an app site where he walks through different apps and he, he color codes them. Um, green, like these are really safe, healthy, good. Like go ahead, no problem. Gray is, there is negatives here, but it's possible to engage them as long as you're well-informed. And then red, these are ones you just, you need to stay away from. Um, The one I get asked a ton about right now is TikTok and what to do with TikTok. Um, Josh would label it a grayish red um, and say that you got to really know what's going on with TikTok. It is incredibly addictive, but they've done with it. It's incredible. I've, I, as I started, I, I don't have it on my phone every once in a while, I'll pull it, I'll pull it up and like, just try to see what's going on, and like, an hour and a half later, I'm like, what did I just do? How many times did I watch? And, and it's really smart in how it, it, if you watch something, it keeps track of that, and it shows you more things. Um, I, I can't get into the depths of every little thing. What I would say is I'd point you toward that site as a great site to help you find um, what are the things to stay away from completely. Okay, we had one. Came, just came in. It seems like it would be most protective, preventative to be loving, modeling, and teaching truth in every area of life that line up um, in, with the Old Testament. When our hearts are centered in truth and wisdom, it will 
inform all things, including how we use technology. How do you do this in your home with your family? Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, uh, I, would, I would, like, Deuteronomy 6 talks about the importance of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, um, and how that is something you're supposed to instill in your kids. Um, I would point to another uh, scripture that is incredibly important in this all, uh, and we love it. We love putting it up on, like in our bathroom wall somewhere or I'm like a, in our I'm hallways. I'm a sign girl. Um, I've already so, missed, admitted yeah. it to my husband and everything. Yeah. And the gals, yeah. anybody else sign people, you put it up on your yeah. homes. Yeah, you got to have that. And uh, this one's like Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. We love to put that verse up. And I think at times it's, uh, it's interesting that, that that person who put, put that talked about preventative um, and, and preventative is a part of it, but I would use a word, I think I'm making it up, a preparative or preparative would be what I think is the posture of a parent is it's not tell a kid what they should do and when they're old, they're going to do it. It Train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old, they won't depart from it. There is an idea of equipping them and preparing them for life outside your home. And so there's conversations, there's moments, there's, there's leaving room for failure and making punishment not just something to say, you did something bad, therefore I'm punishing you, but making it something where there's consequences to poor actions because I don't want to see you go down this road. There's a, this road can lead to destruction. This road can lead to life. And so how do I do that in my home? Very poorly. I mean, I could act like I'm amazing at it. It's, it's a struggle. Parenting is hard. Um, it, it's really hard. Uh, but the moments that I, I know I get it right is when I don't come in with anger and laying down the law, but I remember God has entrusted you, amazing little twerp boy, uh, into my life. <laughs> and, and he loves you so deeply, and there's nothing you can do that's going to cause him to love you less. And therefore, there's nothing you can do that should cause me to love you less. But he loves you so greatly that he's created a path for you to live in freedom and health and I can be an agent to help him see that or her see that. And so, um, again, I'm talking like in big generalities. What does that look like? It looks like having conversations versus uh, lecturing, having, uh, asking questions in moments and drawing out thoughts and helping them own the responsibility. Had a really fun conversation uh, just with my, my daughter the other week where we talked about social media and uh, loved where she concluded on saying, I just don't want it yet. And I was like, that's awesome, and when you want it, or if you want it, um, then we can talk about it, but that's great. We're, we, we, you don't need it. it it's, not, it's not needed in your life. Okay, we're going to go to another at, um, avenue of uh, technology, video games yeah. and TV. <laughs> okay. What are some thoughts on this, and how can we put limitations yeah. or guide? Yeah. Um, yeah, again, so hard to dive into all this stuff in just a short amount of time. Uh, video games are a huge part of culture. In fact, it's not just teens. There's people my age that waste their lives away on video games. My good friend Caleb Bislow said, I'm so sick of men that are too busy playing Call of Duty that they forget they're called to duty for Jesus. I love that statement. Um, uh, and, uh, Can you say that one more time? <laughs> yeah. I'm so sick of guys that are playing Call of Duty that they forget they're called to duty for Jesus Christ. Um, uh, the gaming, gaming that's out there, I think awareness is, there, there's, I'd say, uh, I would say content is really important to be aware of. There's rating systems tied to these things. There's a great site called PluggedIn.com that you can go to when it comes to movies, TVs, basically any entertainment you take in through your eyes and ears. Uh, he does some reviews on it. He talks about family-friendly. He gets into the nitty-gritty of how many times, uh, what kind of 
sexual content is present in this, what type of of violence, what type of language, and and then he gives some rating on it. And he's not a prude. Like he he's he's willing to recognize as followers of Jesus, there's some of the stuff we can engage in if our minds are at a healthy spot to say, look, that's not how I want to live, but yet uh, this is this is a part of what I'm gonna I'm gonna watch or listen to. Um, and so content's really important. I'd say uh, like consistency is really important. Like how much time are you spending on it? Uh, there's ways to set limits on every gaming system. Um, if, and, and just be aware of it and stop and look. And it's really, how many people have paid attention to their screen time that showed up now on your phone? It's embarrassing to look at at times, right? But you need to. Uh, and, then, uh, and then community. The thing in gaming that's really important to understand is it is a, it's, a, it's a social network in and of itself because you can plug in. The other day I walked up, my son was playing Fortnite. I thought I had the control set right. And there was somebody talking, and I'm like, Moses, I don't think that's English. He goes, it's definitely not English. I don't know how he got on here, but I think he's speaking Spanish. Um, and uh, so it was like, you know, he was playing, like, globally with people. And, um, and so uh, being aware of, like, the community that can happen through that. And that can be good, and it can be incredibly damaging. I think the last thing um, that I'd like you to talk about, and I think all of us can relate to this, is the platform mm-hmm. that technology has given to everyone, whether yeah. we want it or not. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, gosh. Sorry, no, that, this to, is my question. No, this is great. <laughs> this is great. I'm trying to choose my words wisely as I talk through this. Everybody's an expert now. Uh, I mean, I should say, social media allows the chance for everybody to come off like an expert. Um, and uh, I think uh, that's really important on two two forms is to actually pay attention to who you're listening to and are they really the expert that they're claiming to be? And then more importantly for us to stop and recognize that our mess- where our message is going out, the amount of eyes and ears that are paying attention to it, and do I really, truly know what I'm talking about? Um, and do I really need to talk about it is important in this stuff. Um, and and there's the, I'd say both of those things are really important. One is do I really know what I'm talking about? Like, like you, you pay attention to people's tweets that they sent out five or six years ago and they're losing their jobs over it left and right because of how irresponsible they were at the time of it. Um, uh, and, and even just like, just, you know, flying off in the moment over stuff. Um, and so I think that's really important. And we put out any kind of, uh, you know, we are agents of truth as followers of Jesus. We're called to, to walk in truth. And so when we spread falsehood over, uh, over the internet, whether we realize it or not, we are not living in the light of Christ. And so it's important for us to make sure that. And then the second is, do I really need to share it is a great, a great uh, question to ask. Do I really need to share this? Um, Herm Edwards is a former NFL coach, and uh, he would like stand before, uh, he'd do a rookie camp. They, there's a famous talk he would do. And he would just go through different stuff. And if you know who, remember who Herm Edwards was as a coach, he was just a fiery dude. And, and uh, there's a great little clip where he just goes, NFL player, I want to be clear to you. You're going to write it up. When you get done writing it, you're going to want to hit send. Don't press send. Don't press send. And um, I love that. Like, like I think uh, it would be great for us all to simply have a trigger in my, my heart that says, I'm not going to press send first. And then say, you know what? No, I think this actually is noble, pure, praiseworthy. What Philippians 4, 8 talks about. 
And I think the world around me could benefit greatly from this. I'm going to go ahead and press send. Because you have a platform in a way that you don't. And some people have platforms that they don't deserve to have. That's where I'm choosing my words wisely. Um, living and, and breathing in the world of where God's allowed me some chances, there's moments where I'm like, why in the like, I question, like, God, why are you allowing me to have such influence over youth pastors and others? Um, who am I? Um, and if I can't keep a level of humility to that, and if you can't keep a level of humility when you get pick up more followers and stuff, man, uh, you, you need to get off. Yeah, because ultimately you and I both agree, and we all hear set. We're not to be just followers on social media. Who are we supposed to be following? Jesus. And that's the ultimate goal here. Technology has invaded our lives. It's taken over. Um, we can't ignore it. We have to be Christians that are aware. It says be alert for your adversary, the devil, is seeking those he can devour. We have to go on the offense because if we go on the defense, dairy, what's going to happen? It's going to take over our lives, and it's going to disciple us in their way, in the world's way. And as disciplers in the home and disciplers in the church, we have to be on the offense, be aware, and it takes work. You didn't come to this just yesterday, right? It took a lot of years. So one of the things that Derry has um, done is he has a great, um, what do you call it, Derry? I call it Digital Engagement Workbook for it's a family workbook. story. Yeah. Yes. So here's the deal. Um, we um, have a, a resource available to you that is um, out there in the digital world, but you have to email me to get it, okay? This is one way that um, Derry has given us this because it is, um, it is cost. There is cost to it, but yeah. there's a way to share it that yeah. they've asked you to do it um, a little differently. And so with that, I would like you to email me. I'll keep track. I'll give you the um, digital download that Derry has shared with me that is to you without cost. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C dot org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.